going to bounce around a couple different topics. We're going to look a little bit more at the at the Syria conflict going on right now and the uh, the world involvement in that. The uh, current standing on the Mike Pompeo hearings, uh, James Comey touring around his book, uh, Freedom of Speech, uh, the Starbucks controversy, and may- maybe a couple other things too. I mean, you never know where this program goes. Get ready, buckle up, and tighten your seatbelts because this is FritzCast. What is up, people? It is Friday, April 20th, 2018, and if you are out there smoking it up because it's 420, well, well, I mean, I don't care. I mean, that's that's whatever. You can only legally do it in, what, Colorado and Seattle, right? And the rest of you are just doing it anyway. Or you have, oh yeah, that's right, wink, wink, medical excuses, whatever. I don't care. We could talk about marijuana legalization all we want on, on 420 of all days. Uh, you know, in fact, I was talking to somebody uh, at work last night. A discussion popped up, and I was talking. Uh, if you listen to the program, sorry, if, if you're brand new here, I always forget to do this. I'm very rude. Very, very rude host. Need to learn to be more welcoming to people. If this is your first time listening to Fritzcast, hi, I'm Fritz. I'm 28 years old. Next month, I have to talk about how I'm 29 years old. I'm I'm not I I'm indifferent on that. I'm indifferent on that because I'm still under 30. So there's I've got that going for me, if you know what I mean. Uh, if you don't know me a little bit of my background, I work in the Department of Corrections. All right, I'm a correctional sergeant. So yes, I'm in law enforcement, but I am also a libertarian. Ish kind of person. I'm more like a Rand Paul, Justin Amash type that would tell you liberty is at the core. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I don't tow party lines. I don't want to say. I, it's not like I want to sit here and tell you, like, guys, guys. I am so woke right now. We're just not even. We're not even going to go there. But I am libertarian leaning. Uh, I. I. I believe, and I. I, I, I prescribe to the belief that um, that political parties, like Democrats and Republicans, are uh, arbitrary. Um, I think the two-party system is problematic, and I could go into a whole swath of reasons why that's problematic. And as a libertarian, it's not like I'm sitting here towing the libertarian party line, so to speak, either because parties are just little platforms that we use to get people elected. Uh, ideology doesn't necessarily fit a perfect molding to either of the parties anyway, including the Libertarian Party. So when I say I'm Libertarian, I'm talking more about a philosophy than like, oh, I'm registered Libertarian, so I vote for all the Libertarian people because we Libertarians have it right. It's not what I mean. I mean, I am a liberty-oriented individual. I will go back to the founding documents, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution of the United States, and I reference those a lot. I reference our founding fathers' idea of liberty a lot because that, I believe, is the correct 
and most true and most correct form of government and lifestyle. Just just a crash course on me. So, yeah, so I work in a prison, so obviously I'm talking with co-workers about uh, the criminal justice system and what we do. So, in the argument that I had with the individual, they said marijuana should not be legalized and taxed and all that because it was, quote, immoral. Okay, okay, whatever. It's, it, it's a drug, whatever. We can, you can have the debate of whether or not it is moral. That's perfectly fine. That's a debatable aspect of a lot of stuff. You can, you can debate the morality of a lot of different issues. His argument was that marijuana was a drug, was immoral, all right, and caused people to be, among other things, lazy, stone, and killing their brain cells. So I asked him, does he drink at all? Not surprisingly, this individual does not drink alcohol. Okay, that's fine. He did at one point used to drink alcohol, but now he's kind of like a reformed Christian type of person. I said, that's great. I said, are you willing to reinstate prohibition against alcohol? He said, no, absolutely not. I said, well, why not? And his argument was, well, the laws now say that drinking is fine. To which I had to say, like, okay, do you not see how arbitrary it is then? Because prohibition is something that the nation struck up. Now, prohibition, when we talk about it, some people just say, oh, it was the 18th Amendment and it outlawed the consumption of alcohol. Actually, the amendment did not uh, per se outlaw the consumption of alcohol. What the amendment did... However, and mind you, this was bolstered by the temperance movement, um, and there was some deep religious, uh, there was some deep religious motivations to it as well. But the 18th Amendment reads verbatim, Section 1, after one year from the ratification of this article, the manufacture, sale, or transportation of all intoxicating liquors within the importation thereof into or the exportation thereof from the United States and all territory subject to the jurisdiction thereof for beverage purposes is hereby prohibited. Section 2, Congress in several states shall have concurrent power to enforce this by appropriate legislation, and yada, yada, yada. How, so you see, in the words there, in the wording, it doesn't say that um, it was prohibited to consume alcoholic beverages. But how can one consume alcoholic beverages if manufacturing, sale, and transportation was all illegal? Well, guess what skyrocketed? Bootlegging and organized crime in cities. That was the American mobster period. It skyrocketed. It went up. You know why? Because everybody said, how dare the government say what I... I'm allowed to purchase and consume using my own money on my own time. And what caused Prohibition to come in the first place? A large group of people who were very vocal and very influential saying that the root cause of most of society's problems was alcohol. Well, guess what? It didn't go away. Just banging the gavel and making it illegal didn't make it go away. It actually increased tenfold. 
And from the organized crime, mind you, it's not like they were just making alcohol and all that. They, they bolstered from there into these huge rings of prostitution, gambling rackets, narcotics, loan sharking, extortion, labor rackets, you know, protection. If you've played the game The Godfather or The Mafia or watched the movie The Godfather, it's pretty much what happened in America between 1920 and 1950. So after explaining all that to him, I said, so how are you arguing against marijuana legalization? I mean, just really, I mean, like, okay, so you don't drink, and I get that. And you you were in a religious setting where you are abstaining from those things because you think they're bad. You think that they are, in fact, immoral. Great. Good for you. Do you think... That prohibition should be reinstated. The answer at the end of the day was no. And I said, that right there, that's the number one argument for marijuana legalization. If Joe Blow, if I can go home, smoke a cigar, and drink Jack Daniels to my heart's content, all the way to the detriment of my health. Because let's face it, drinking Jack Daniels all night and smoking cigars isn't the most healthy activity. In fact, even I personally know that it's not the most healthy activity. That's why I don't down Jack Daniels and smoke cigars every day. I smoke cigars maybe three times a year just to go outside and take an hour, an hour and a half, whatever, to smoke a cigar. And occasionally I drink some Jack Daniels or I drink a beer or something. But it's not every day and it's not excessively. That's something that I have chosen because I'm a smart individual that knows what I want in my life. All right, I know the risks of drinking, and I know the risks of smoking, and I've made a choice, and I, based on what I believe, think it's okay for me to do that. And I keep up on all other aspects of my health. I've cut down on eating junk food. Uh, I've really eliminated junk food out of my life. I, I eat a somewhat healthy, balanced diet, uh, I have a gym and workout regiment. I have a bike that I go out and ride. So I try to stay healthy. So 420, I mean, I didn't, I, I'm honestly kicking out, I didn't even realize it was 420. Uh, obviously, as a law enforcement official, I can't touch the stuff. Even if it was legal nationwide, there would still be policies in place for us law enforcement people that would say, you can't touch or smoke that. Um I can't touch or smoke it. And guess what? When it gets legalized, I'm still not going to care for it. I'm not. But if I can pop open Jack Daniels and beers and drink alcohol and smoke cigars in my backyard, then why can't Joe somebody get high? I really, I don't care. It's arbitrary. Uh, The fact that it's illegal... And up until probably, you know, within the last decade or so was a was a significant crime. I find that laughable. I really find that laughable. And one of the things that made me look a little bit harder into marijuana and why it was criminalized and all that was actually Family Guy. It was Seth MacFarlane in an episode of Family Guy in which they have this entire episode on on weed and and hemp specifically. And in fact, I'm going to link a 2016 Forbes 
article in the description of this that you can go read um, about why hemp is still controversial in America and a challenge for entrepreneurs because people can't differentiate marijuana and hemp, number one, and number two, because of the legality issues on a nationwide scale, hemp, which, by the way, hemp has a pretty strong product line. In fact, uh, just quoting from this article on Forbes, quote, hemp, though not marijuana, is often associated with it. While it originates from the same plant, hemp does not have significant levels of THC, the ingredient that gives you a high. In fact, hemp has less than 0.3% of THC, whereas marijuana has anywhere from 10 to 30%. Yet the plant is nutrient-rich, contributes to the health of the soil, grows in drought climates as well. The fibers of hemp have been used for centuries to produce weaves, sustainable clothing, or home decor items. Elements of hemp are healthy for the body as well as making it a popular health food and an essential ingredient in soaps and lotions. Ooh, ooh, so dangerous. So dangerous that somebody wants to buy hemp soap. They're going to get high just from taking a shower. Potheads everywhere. So, uh, why can't the nation kick up a little bit because A, what an adult does on their own time to themselves as long as it's not harming anybody else isn't really a government issue the government really has no business in it all right this is why and i I got into a further argument with this colleague about how drug usage should all be decriminalized and he said oh what what about these potheads that break or what about these guys uh, on heroin that are breaking into people's houses and uh, and doing uh, nefarious back alley acts to get uh, to get drugs for their high, at which point I said breaking into somebody's house is a crime, so that would get you in jail, or at the very least you would be charged with a crime and have to pay for said crime in some fashion. I it's like I have an answer for everything. It's like a, it's as if I thought this one out all the way through. So, happy 420. If you're a pothead, I don't care. Smoke up. I, I really, I could give a damn. Or I, I couldn't give a damn. I don't, I don't know. English, it's, it's hard. Mostly because the guys that bastardized it from the three other languages they bastardized it from were lazy. So, that, that was the, the interesting conversation and dialogue, though. And definitely, at the end of it, he kind of was like, Okay, I see what you mean, because you want a limited government, and I want a limited government. Yes, the guy that I was talking to is a limited government-minded person. It's just that I am way more extreme than he is, where I'm like, no, it needs to go a step further than what you're saying. Which is another thing that we could talk about, but this that, that will open up a whole another can of worms, and I don't want to do that. that. That was a highlight from this past week, though. I just enjoyed having that conversation. I really did. And it, another highlight of the week before diving into the other news aspects that we got to talk about. Um, another highlight of the week is that later today, I get to go to Home Depot and pick up my floor because ding, 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 it came in. I am, I, this is the nerdiest I've, like, I, it's, it's told, is it nerdy? Is it nerdy to think that? Like, I'm working on a housing project. I'm getting floor panels. I'm excited for this. I'm not even 30 yet. My 15-year-old self would look at me and go, you changed, man. 
you change. You're supposed to be excited about God of War coming out today, which, by the way, I still am excited about that, too. God of War just got dropped today, and it's got magnificent ratings, and they say that the series will never die. Or or something. It evolved well. I don't know. I, I'm going to buy it and play it eventually. So, uh, I'll be excited to pick up these floor panels. It's like 60 boxes. I'm going to have to actually rent Home Depot's truck to bring it here. And I'm doing it all by myself. I don't have help. I don't care. I'm a loner. I can do it. I can handle it. Worst thing that happens, I throw my back out because I'm almost 30 and I'm old. Uh, and, and my 15-year-old self will really be like, man, you did change. But what? Whatever. Whatever. So that was the that was a that was my week in review. It was talking about potheads and being excited over floor panels. How was your week? You know, and some of the little news that I forgot to cover up till now too. Like I I forgot uh, Paul Ryan announcing he's going to retire. You know, Paul Ryan wasn't exactly the strongest speaker of the house coming in um, for the Republican Party and. Now he's leaving. That one of the prospects that I actually like for replacing him is Jim Jordan. Uh, that could be something. I would prefer somebody uh, even more liberty oriented. Maybe like you know Justin Amash. You know, uh, I also am a, a, a just a tad bit of a realist and think that they they, they probably wouldn't go for Amash uh, sitting in the hot seat and leading the pack. So if not a mosh, you know, maybe Jim Jordan's a good look. Well, 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 I'll take a closer look at that when I can actually analyze some of that news. Um, the Paul Ryan saying he's going to step down, it's, it's whatever. Um, I, do, do I think the Republicans are going to fire off on all, all cylinders now and try to push through real reform or anything? No, I don't. Uh, because they would have been doing it anyway. They, they've had literally all this time, including time under Obama, to do things when, when under Obama, they just kind of sat on their hands and said, "We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that." And now you have Trump in office, and Trump clearly doesn't align up with the conservative principles and values or the libertarian ones, even either. Either to the degree that uh, they're just kind of shuffling along with whatever's going on right now. The, the tax plans, yeah, you can maybe give them some credit for the tax plan, but they still increased spending. They were all spending hawks, right? And only Rand Paul and Justin Amash and Mike Lee and, and, and Thomas Massey and the typical players said, you know, hey, we got to control our spending. And everybody else said, ah, shut up. Bang the gavel, $1.3 billion. It's, it's whatever. Who cares? We'll all be dead by the time it needs to be paid back anyway. So it'll be interesting to see what comes of Speaker of the House. For damn sure. Trump has been going off on Comey. This this past week, Comey's been on his book tour. And uh, let me say this. Political books. Uh, very hit and miss in my book. Because of the purpose behind some of them. Like Hillary's Hillary, Hillary Clinton's book. If I found it in a freebie bin. There's still a good to fair chance that I wouldn't pick it up and read one word in it. Because it's all bullcrap. To me. At least anyway. Uh, 
that being said, uh, I would read through it for the curiosity of just what her view of the whole thing is. Why? Because perspectives are important. It's important to at least read people's opinions on things, even if you think their opinion is garbage. Even if you think their opinion is a dumpster full of garbage set on fire with people dumping fluid on top of them to make the fire even larger. Um, it, it, that much is good. But I will not, however, support that financially by giving money, by giving the most amount of money to Hillary Clinton for writing said book. Not going to do that. Comey's book, same deal. I'm not going to spend money and financially support James Comey's national tour of talking about stuff that he sat on his hands for because he wants to make lots of money because lots of people will buy the book and read it. I just will not do it. I will not do it. Even though, technically, probably... With what I do with this, I should probably buy it and read it and get that insight and his view and his take on the events. But I just will not do it. I'd, 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 rather, I'd, rather, I'd rather go buy Mein Kampf and read that in German. I'd rather learn German and get Mein Kampf in German and read it than sometimes going into these political books and reading them. And here's a guy who's talking about reading a book from Nick Gillespie and Matt Welch from Reason Magazine. But, yeah, I mean, you get what I mean, though. Perspectively, I, I, let's not poop all over uh, Miss Clinton. Uh, will I read her book? Probably eventually, yeah, I will, just out of morbid curiosity when I can buy it for five bucks used. Same thing with this Comey book. Uh, maybe go out and get it. Uh, same thing with the Fire and the Fury book, which is total just speculative bullcrap on pages. Spread abound, crapped out to make a lot of money. That's what a lot of these books are, okay? But Comey is now on a national tour, so he's been on all these different news shows, obviously, to promote the book and talk about his take. That's not to say that his book isn't important or doesn't have important materials, but how about I play this 50-second clip from his interview with George Stephanopoulos to sum up everything about it. Do you think people tied to President Trump colluded with the Russians? I don't know, is the honest answer. And that, that was what we were trying to investigate at the time. Was anyone aiding the Russians, conspiring with the Russians? There's no doubt there was smoke around that. Whether there's fire, I, I didn't stay long enough to know. Do you think the Russians have something on Donald Trump? I think it's possible. I don't know. These are more words I never thought I'd utter about a president of the United States, but it's possible. That's stunning. You can't say for certain that the president of the United States is not compromised by the Russians. Yeah, it is stunning, and I wish I wasn't saying it, but it's just, it's the truth. I cannot say that. It always struck me and still strikes me as unlikely, and... I would have been able to say with high confidence about any other president I dealt with, but I can't. It's possible. What a bombshell. That was, what a bombshell. I really want to read his book now to get to the bottom of this. Or I'll just leave it up to Robert Mueller and his investigation. Maybe I'll just do that. 
And at the end of the day, anyway, everybody's conveniently ignoring the facts that went out about how Russia tried to compromise the election by exploiting both sides of the political spectrum using social media. Which, last week was under scrutiny for data breaches. See how big and mixed up this big old ball of crap becomes? Becomes very mixed up, big ball of crap. Same thing with Syria. Now, last week I talked about Syria, and I talked about being skeptical of information. And being skeptical about things that are happening. And just to go a step further in being skeptical about Syria and what's going on, there's a news article reported by Sky News right now that was literally just posted this morning from the UK where Russian sources are now saying that they told the United States red lines not to cross in their bombing. Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov is reported to have said that officials in Washington were contacted before last week's strikes by the U.S., U.K., and France. I'm reading this article as it was published by Sky News, no author accredited to it. Um, Quote, Mr. Lavrov said, quote, They were military leadership contacts between generals, between our representatives and the coalition leadership. They were informed about where our red lines are, including red lines on the ground geographically, And the results showed they did not cross these red lines. End quote. The article goes on to state, Some 105 missiles were launched in response to a suspected chemical attack in the Syrian city of Douma on 7th of April that killed more than 40 people. Uh, The Kremlin had threatened retaliatory action if strikes were launched, but now it appears there was at least some level of of cooperation. Russia, however, is still denying that any chemical attack took place, citing it as some kind of deep state conspiracy theory. Interesting to note that the city of Duma was under control of rebel forces. In fact, the Syrian government took control of a town in Syria, northeast of Damascus, Thursday night after rebels evacuated to north Syria. Uh, Residents in the town of Dumar welcomed security forces in their town in a triumphant show for the cameras of the state-affiliated TV station. And this was reported uh, by the Washington Post yesterday evening. Um, this rebel force that was in control of Duma, I'm going to include this link to an independent article, or rather an article that's posted by independent.co.uk by Robert Fisk, who visited the Syria clinic at the center of a global crisis, a report in which he includes information that would make you just think a little bit differently and and things that the news doesn't report, like underground tunnels of that city being used by a rebel organization that was posted and hunkered down in Duma against the Assad regime. 
That will make you think. It doesn't provide answers, I can tell you that much. It doesn't paint a clear picture of the Syrian crisis, the Syrian civil war, and what's going on there. But it will make you go, huh, this is stuff I didn't know. This is stuff the news didn't report. And it really will make you think. But every time we talk about Syria, I can't help but post the map of Syria and tell people to start breaking down who's attacking who. Is it ISIS over here? Is it this rebel group that's backed over here by us? Is it this, the actual Syrian government, which is backed by the Russian government? You know, who who's attacking who and why? And does that justify our bombing of it? Our allied bombing with France and UK? Does that justify any of it? And some people argue yes, and some people say it's our responsibility to go in there and handle that issue. And there's some people that say, no, we shouldn't be meddling in foreign affairs. It is a big, lengthy debate, a hot topic debate right now. But at this juncture, still right now, the OPCW, which is the Organization for Prohibition of Chemical Weapons from the United Nations, still hasn't been able to enter Duma and test anything. In fact, they were shot at trying to enter Duma. So they haven't entered Duma and tested these chemicals yet. We have U.S. intelligence stating that they have reasonable belief it was Assad who did it. We have France saying that they have proof, but not having coughed it up at all. And the UK saying that they have reasonable belief. Russia, Assad denying it. Obviously, if they did it, they would deny it anyway, right? Needless to say, with, with, with no conclusive and, and concrete evidence, uh, President Trump, along with two other nations, decides he's going to carry out airstrikes in Syria, a military action which, if you read into the War Powers Act, is unconstitutional. Because we don't have a declaration of war from Congress. Congress was not advised at all about it and had no say in it. And those that want to cite Article 2 of it and say that the president does have the power to do it if there is no standing troops within 60 days in a review, or is it 30 days? It's one of those two. The clause in that is that if we are directly attacked or it is directly imperative to us, which Syria isn't. Doesn't mean that we can't float the idea of helping a coalition of other nations help out Syria in their struggles, but this idea of America police, this idea that America will solve the problems, I mean, look at Iraq, look at uh, Libya. We continually screw crap up. Continually we do it. And we do it under the guise of we're going to destroy weapons of mass destructions. It's a humanitarian crisis and we're going to help them out. We're going to drop leaflets of democracy to people who have never had it before and nothing will go wrong. And along the way, yeah, we'll lose a trillion dollars. Yeah, we'll lose thousands of American lives, but we will have done the noble thing. And we'll earn the respect of the world. And we will be praised and remembered for doing the right thing 
oh wait, that doesn't work. We could go on a tirade about it. I don't want to focus too much on it because last week's episode was very Syria heavy. And since last week, there haven't been a lot of developments in that front. Of course, we had the Starbucks controversy uh, up in Philadelphia. Two uh, two African-American black men arrested uh, for... uh, Nobody quite knew why they were arrested. Uh, Allegedly, uh, at first, it was reported that that Starbucks in particular had a store policy that if you were not buying anything, that you were not permitted... You know, to come in and sit down at the tables or whatever. And that, that might be the case or whatever. I don't know. But in any case, uh, at one point, the gen- the gentlemen were asked to leave. They did not leave. The police were called. The police removed them um, from Starbucks. And it created this big old controversy Well, where now Starbucks is apologizing. They're uh, closing their stores. I forget what day. Uh, for an intensive uh, training for all of their employees uh, over racial sensitivity and all this, but it, it, it made me wonder how, how did how did it blow so out of proportion um, in, in regards to the incident? Like, uh, even if you have a, a policy, per se, of you're not allowed to sit at our tables in our store if you're not buying anything, I mean, I assume a, a store has the right to maintain such a policy and and there was just you know did the police even have to be called why the big scene now Starbucks is paying for uh, a lot um, and under scrutiny and and there's different angles that you can look at with that story uh, online right now including Starbucks is changing their policies uh, including whether or not they're rigorous on their loitering policy or not um, you know it's a you know uh, maybe that is. Uh, maybe there is a deeper story there that I am not seeing, but that is what I am. That's that's what I'm making of it right now. Two black men got arrested for sitting at a table in a Starbucks. I guess. I don't know. Uh, Barbara Bush passed away this past week too, and it was um, it was a little up and down. Um, it was a little up and down. Because if you went on the Twitter, you saw... I mean, social media, as I've said before, is the bane of humanity. You see some great people on social media. You see a lot of dipsticks on social media (laughs) posting, just, you know, trolling, shit posting, whatever. You see a lot of it. Barbara Bush is uh, considered... uh, Man. She's considered the matron. The matriarch of a whole political generation. And... uh, there was a liberal professor um, by the name of Randa Jarar who uh, posted a series of tweets that caught her some flack. Um, the, t- the tweet in question was, quote, Barbara Bush was a generous and smart, amazing racist who, along with her husband, raised a war criminal. Fuck out of here with your nice words. She then went on to tweet, PSA, you either are against these pieces of shit and their genocidal ways, or you're part of the problem. That's actually how simple this is. I'm happy the witch is dead. Can't wait for the rest of her family to fall to their demise by way, demise the way 1.5 million Iraqis have. Bye. Another tweet she sent out, 
when people started responding and, and giving her flack and hating on her was all the hate I'm getting almost made me forget how happy I am that George W. Bush is probably really sad right now, smiley face. Uh, in response to one of her critics, and in response to somebody saying, uh, let's see, somebody tweeted to her, just said, quote, when you start losing writing gigs, you won't think it's funny. Just so you know, this kind of garbage is why I stopped voting Democrat. End quote. She replied to this gentleman, or person, whoever, she replied saying, quote, Sweetie, I work as a tenured professor. I make 100 k a year doing that. I will never be fired. I will always have people wanting to hear what I have to say. Even you are one of them, heart. Ha, how high and mighty of the tenured professor. You can't touch me, and I get paid a lot of money. I'm high and mighty. You can't do shit. Okay. Okay, arrogant prick. All right. Um, the most egregious one that she did, though, was called out by a uh, guy on Twitter named Pax Hart who uh, responded to her responding to somebody, okay? Um, a guy engaged with her and um, said she was, like, you know, a coward because she wouldn't talk or whatever. Um, so she tweeted out, oh, LOL, oh my God, guys, I haven't even activated that line. If you really want to reach me, here's my number, okay? 480921 one zero zero six and a physician responded to her on Twitter saying, quote, your freedom of speech does not entitle you to have all these people spam an actual mental health crisis line. Please stop. Pax Hart tweeted out on shortly thereafter. Oh, Randa Jahar gave out a phone number she said was her own. So people would call it. It was a mental health crisis hotline. So not only is this high and mighty professor who, by the way, makes 100000 k and is a tenured professor, so she's above you, by the way. You are below her. You are beneath her. Uh, she tweeted out a mental health crisis hotline to people as a joke. As a joke. To spam a mental health crisis hotline. So now people who probably actually legitimately needed help and called, that those lines probably got tied up. Uh, over her juvenile act. Um, people demanded that she uh, be fired. Fresno State has currently suspended her and is reviewing it. Uh, some some of us are saying that she shouldn't be fired. You know, she should not. Uh, she absolutely had the right to go on Twitter and um, act like a giant douche canoe, for lack of better terms. Uh, I'm not saying she didn't have the right of free speech to do that. Her company has the right, by the way, to disassociate from her if they thought that those acts were, in effect, egregious and didn't line up with their morals and principles. That's what I believe when you have all independent things running independently with independent contracts. But she had the right to say that. She has the right to be, uh, for lack of better terms, for, for what I can tell, a scumbag. That's the that's my impression of this uh, high and mighty tenured professor, but funny how her words came back to bite her in the ass about how she was untouchable and couldn't be fired and wouldn't be fired and now where is she? 
facing the consequences of her speech. The, the right to free speech, by the way, doesn't guarantee that you'll remain employed at your employer or not face social consequences, which is this is an example. And you know, Starbucks incident with two black men is a consequence, a social consequence that now they're closing down their stores on May 29th to to do a uh, an in-depth training on on their employees, whether or not there's a deeper story there to it or not. But guys, I just gave you a, a just a, a big old cluster of, of information there. We talked about a lot of different subjects and jumped around, and I want to call it quits for the day. Because, uh, well, one, I just took a drink because my voice is getting a little strained. I think I've been rather impassioned about some topics today. Maybe... Maybe I have, maybe I haven't. We'll uh, we'll have to see. But um, guys, I really do appreciate you listening and clicking on the link, and uh, giving giving Fritzcast a listen and and helping me out in my endeavors with Fritzcast. I implore you, hey, if you're not following me on Twitter already, it's at FritzQS, F R I T Z, the letter Q, and the letter S all combined, one word, one thing, at FritzQS on Twitter. Uh, on Facebook, we're Facebook.com/slash/TheFritzCast. And uh, we're fritzcast.wordpress.com for the blog. And if you need to get in contact with me, it is fritzcastpodcast at gmail.com, which I check every day and will respond to any emails that you want to send and any questions that you want. I will if I have the time. All right. But I can easily do it on Twitter as well. So just do it on Twitter. And something new that I want to do at, at, Occasionally, maybe not at the end of every episode, but I want to recommend or refer you to either a columnist, a writer, a website, or a podcast to check out. And in this case, I'm going to throw out John Ziegler's name. John Ziegler uh, runs freespeechbroadcasting.com and also runs his very own The World According to Zieg podcast, which is a something that I frequent. Uh, very much. Uh, John Ziegler is a conservative, libertarianish type of individual, and uh, a lot of his main focus has been on the Penn State scandal, uh, a different take on the Penn State scandal, one that, you know, you could more or less say practically wrecked his uh, shots of uh, having a mainstream career. But he has been on Glenn Beck's program, and he has been on a host of other programs talking about it recently. Uh, including with the HBO emergence of the Penn State scandal movie. Uh, he has uh, reemerged and is out there, and uh, I want to throw out World According to Zieg and John Ziegler podcast. Check it out. It's World According to Zieg, or go to freespeechbroadcasting.com, and you can get up to speed on all things John Ziegler. That's it for me. I'll see you guys, or rather you will hear from me next week. Keep the love, the peace, and do your thing on social media, and I'll see you guys then.